0: you probably wouldn't find somebody who was a permanent part of our core team uh, who was on the social media side who wasn't involved in the media training yep. um, in some way, shape or form, even if it was just observing. Um, so those functions were so tied because we're dealing with the same content in a little bit of a different way, but we're dealing with the same subject matter. So we learnt in real time in terms of what tone needed to be taken for what issue, but also we're close-knit group, close with executive, and we talked very regularly, and I think that's better than any sort of scenario training that you can do with talking it through.
1: Welcome to the GovCom's podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello everyone and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of communication in government and the public sector. My name is David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, it's part two of our special interview with Evan Eakin-Smith, who is the Director of Media and Digital Engagement at the Australian Electoral Commission. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we published episode one, so perhaps... If you're about to listen to episode two, maybe pause it right there, go back and have a good listen to episode one, and then pick it up from there, because it really is a fantastic conversation where we talk to Evan about the way that the Australian Electoral Commission managed the communication and engagement function in the lead up to, during, and after the most recent federal election. Now, such an important function given the increasing amount of electoral misinformation and the way, in fact, that the AEC was so bold in defending Australia's democratic reputation, not only through its Twitter account, but through multiple digital and offline uh, channels as well. So really fantastic. But the basis of the conversation are around the six principles that they've used. Now, in the previous episode, we got through numbers one and two. Uh, but here we go. There are four more principles coming your way, but it's a great conversation, and you will really enjoy listening to Evan Eakin Smith. Okay, now so we got we're, we're through two of the principles, and we have got four to go. So again, number one, open and regular. Number two, using your team, using those subject matter experts, and helping them to build that confidence, so as that they can present effectively. So, number three, what's the,
0: what was the next oh, principle? You're going to test me on all these principles. Um, <laughs> one, one of them was uh, backing up uh, any public statements um, operationally. So, that's a lot. What l- does that mean? So, effectively for our team, it, it means that the operation needs to be sound because reputation management is not just communication, Uh, but for our team, it means not over-promising and under-delivering. Well, that's how I took it anyway, Uh, making sure of what we were saying. So even though we're going incredibly quickly um, and trying to be ultra-responsive, you never want to say something that is okay. spot on. Um, and if we were uh, yeah. over-promising on a service and undeliver, it's probably the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. Um, so, so how did
1: you manage that? How did you plan for that?
0: Uh, well, again, it comes back to the fact that we have the right people in the positions, the connection to the executive, the appropriate reporting mechanisms and meetings that we, we are in on. We're, we're, we're part of that. Um, ground floor, I suppose, in terms of organising the election. Uh, we're sitting in the wings, listening to everything and knowing how the election is being being run. It, probably a big part of that was our new command centre that we had during the federal election. So that was something new for 2022 federal election. A lot of the operation of the command centre was about operational uh, delivery. Um, but we have a little media hub within our command centre um, and it allows us to be right there, knowing what's going on, getting the information. Um, So it it allows us to get ahead of things, but it also allows us to respond if there's an issue going. We're in the command centre daily, rostered on. Um, We have people there who have access to all forms of information. You can pop your head out and you can ask what's going on with our remote mobile polling operation in the NT and how is that going, because I've heard information on X channel that there's a team that's stranded in an airstrip. And you can get that information either through your relationships, through the organisation or through the information that command center staff had at their fingertips. So I think that was a really important piece as well.
1: Mm. That I think that's, again, another um, really important insight, that notion of having your team out and in amongst the organisation, really understanding, build, building that trust, building the confidence, building their awareness and their understanding so they can be, you know, perhaps the backup to you if you fell over. So did you... Did you look at the risk of someone like you um, who's been around, been experienced, was there a, a plan that, okay, Evan falls over, who's, who's up next?
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting one because there is a level of risk attached to that um, uh, but I have a very good team. Um, so a lot of the functions that were happening... Uh, it could have operated without me on any given day, uh, to a large degree, and then also within our um, state offices as well. So while I do a lot of the the talking and use you know my time at the AEC as expertise to talk to people like you and and uh, journalists about what's going on during the election, uh, we had a, a group of state managers who could do it just as just as well, yeah. um, and who were doing it, uh, and we had a team behind me who largely ran the social. Uh, media operation uh, and a level of lead in and preparation enable us to lessen that risk. You're always going to have some element of risk aligned with certain. Personnel, yeah. I think, and particularly when you are a small organisation like the AEC is. Mm. Uh, but and I think, particularly when you got a thing called COVID floating yeah. <laughs> about the place as well, yeah, and that produced some difficulties, <laughs> uh, particularly operationally for the AEC. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I think we lessen that risk quite well. But there's there's further lessons to be um, to be learnt there in terms of we've responded to the environment to a great degree, the communication environment, the electoral communication environment that is so very different to what it used to be. Mm. But we kind of see what we did at 2022 now as the baseline. And if yeah. we oh, yeah. if we sit on that, yeah. um, I think we'll fall behind. So we've got to keep on improving that, keep on lessening those sorts of risks where there are reliance on individuals. Um, that might mean... Um, more bodies sit in the operation but in terms of a lead-up, but it might also mean that we need to get inventive, uh, use our colleagues and share from our colleagues both internationally and state and territory electoral commissions a little bit more. Um, We have areas of the organisation within the AEC and there's a lot of electoral experts around the building in the AEC, but there's a lot of business areas who don't have an operational uh, bent to them during the election, our funding and disclosure area for example and there's many others. Um, where we can potentially, and they get poached for many areas of the organisation, it's mm. so all hands on deck at the election, but potentially where we need to raise our operation uh, in in the in the minds of people around the organisation and poach electoral experts from those areas a little bit better.
1: Mm. So there's a couple of things that have uh, that I take from that. The, your core team, how, how big was that core team?
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, shrunk down now to five. Um, okay. But it was only, the core team was only or I'm looking over my shoulder to my colleague, was at eight? It was eight. Right. So it's not huge. Yeah. Um, and what we, our functions were um, media liaison, as we've talked about, the interviews, mm. media training leading up to it, um, social media, and we look after our website as well. And there's a few bits and pieces on the fringe of that, but that truly really media, social media and the website. Yeah. And we had uh, eight people at its peak. We're now down to five, um, and we'll go down a bit further uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, so it's part of that growth and shrinking that happens um, during the election, but we also had um, what we called a social media operations group uh, to help us handle the volume. Uh, we Kind of named it for the acronym SMOG because uh, we thought that was funny. Uh, figure out, figure out the words after you figure out the, the letters. Um, uh, but what that was was labour hire staff, and we were very lucky that we got great labour hire staff in the door. Hopefully they're listening to me now. They did, all did a fantastic job. Uh, who we rostered on because we were covering social media from 5am to 10pm, yep. seven days a week during. So that's not part of the eight. So it was eight no. plus Eight plus that. Um, How many so- of them? They- I think there was another eight. Was it eight? Okay. Eight, nine, something right, uh, like that. Just
1: monitoring, yeah. sitting on top of correct.
0: And they, so they were that front line. They they were monitoring things outside of our account, but they were also looking at all the all the mentions. Um, if if there was very basic things that they could answer, they would answer it. Otherwise, they would escalate it. Yeah. Um, and so we had we had that very basic layer of um, uh, I suppose the initial triage uh, and action, mm-hmm. uh, and then we had. A couple of our permanent staff, who we aptly named Smog Queens, <laughs> uh, who, who were that next layer up, um, who handled the difficult stuff. So there was levels of triage to enable us yeah. to be quick and responsive. Yeah. Um, so we always had rostered on both a... Uh, uh, a social media operations group operator who we called a smoggle <laughs> um, uh, and a smog queen uh, to enable that those things to happen. And then if a smog queen was um, finding content that they thought was particularly sensitive, it would come either to me or a colleague to... the
1: smog emperor,
0: <laughs> if you like. <laughs> and it's all a little bit jovial, but it's, it's actually a very good... Um, it w- it worked really well, and we I mean, were having a look at the structure, seeing on what we can improve there. But um, it served us very, very well to get through what was a ridiculous amount of content. Sure.
1: How what sort of technology were you using to to do the social listening? And yeah,
0: we had we had a tool called Falcon. Um, okay. Yeah. I've heard um, of that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, we and we're new to tool last election two thousand nineteen. We were just running off native channels. Oh wow. Um, we did um, some social media monitoring in two thousand nineteen. Um, uh, via a, a tool, so things outside of our account, but anything that was tagged for our accounts in 2019 it was all native channels, and there was there was no smog. Um, it was all uh, existing staff members who were very very busy, um, which obviously enabled the thinking around how do we do this in how 2022. Do do th-
1: yeah, hmm. interestingly, also the the role of the state uh, officers. Um, one of my big theories uh, is that. Increasingly, the communication function is will be devolved because it will have to be because of the need for speed. Uh, and people closer and closest to the audiences will need to build those skills and central comms areas will become more sort of command and control, centres of expertise, enabling those organisations. And so clearly that was part of what's happening here where you are building the skills of your state managers to be able to... Carry the the narrative forward in their particular locality.
0: Yeah, and we did media training um, for our state managers and their offsiders more than we ever have before, um, because we we figured that we needed um, people to be singing from the same hymn sheet, if you like, but but to but to really um, have the confidence um to be able to do it as well yeah um if you look at how many media interviews we did through the period and i can't i can't remember the numbers but you know it's i was probably doing you know in that last week i was probably doing 25 a day something stupid like that Mm. um our state managers were taking a reasonable pull. smuggle emperors can do that (laughs) (laughs) yes they can (laughs) i'm going to take that suggestion (laughs) Say so I've got a great name. <laughs> yeah. It'll be in my signature. What will that make him? You know yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, what like I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we did media training more than we ever had before, uh, quite in depth, and it was all, uh, well, aside from a little bit early on, it was it was mostly remote, um, and we did, and we probably had more involvement from our team rather than a provider than we ever had before as well. Um, really providing that feedback because it was yeah, it okay. was. Yes, it was a little bit about the confidence to be, and the skills to be able to, you know, talk to a media representative, but it was really about the messaging, um, and we needed people to understand um, yeah. uh, how how it, how it worked. I mean, they know yeah, their the
1: language you needed them to use That's and right. the context they, they needed to understand. They know their
0: operation in detail, sometimes yeah. too much detail. Yeah. Uh, we're a very detail-oriented uh, mob at the AEC because we have to be operationally. Uh, but That's
1: that is right. one of the biggest challenges across government and public sector because people do know so much, and when you ask them a question, they want to tell you
0: yeah, everything. T- to too, like- t- too much, they <laughs> dig right down. Um, but we we had a we, we have a fantastic group of state managers. It always um, evolves a little bit from election to election, but we had a fantastic, reasonably new group of um, state managers, and they were very kind with their time, allowing us, um, you know, once a month in the lead up. Um, to the election to do remote sessions where we, where we just got on Teams, gave them a scenario and uh, did two interviews with feedback in between and it, yeah. it was it was great and you recorded it, you sent it back to them, you talked about it. It's all very standard stuff. Yep. The level of investment, I suppose, in that and the way that we just did it in a very real way. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're
1: doing it was, yourself though. This is the other thing. Again, you know, you're saving money that you're not paying ludicrous amounts of money to bring somebody in to tell you something that you know you pretty well already
0: know to a large extent i mean we had a pr provider that helped us with the media training um but it was really a joint thing um so i wasn't the interviewer and none of my team were the interviewers the pr provider um, provided that service but in terms of subject matter um we we were there and we were heavily involved in it we were um, drafting up the scenarios because we we're the experts. I mean, yeah. links back to that principle in the reputation management. We, we know what we want to talk about and how we want to talk about it, so why are we not leading that? Yeah. Um, so that's what we've done on all fronts. It's also
1: a bit misnamed, isn't it, sort of media training, because the media training is one part of it, but it's also the presentation, as you say, to other, it's almost presentation skills as opposed to media training skills as such, isn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely it is. And um, people, as I said, crippling fear of uh, public speaking grips some people more than most. Um, but we knew if you have a, a body behind you, a body of work, where you know the subject matter more intimately than anybody, it's just enabling people the confidence to really believe that and actually get it yeah. and and understand that the person that you're talking to, they know 2% of what, they're talking about on this subject compared to you so um go with confidence and and have a body of work behind you where you've done this before yeah you, you were talking to internally to people now you're just talking externally it's exactly the same
1: yeah and it's interesting i in my experience i always find when you do that type of training when you do give the opportunity to people to to see themselves and they do it once and their you know first time might be a bit rough when they do the second time that nev- always they improve because you know, bright people, smart people, they see it, they get it. It's like okay, I know, I know what I need to do now, and they they
0: they improve very very quickly. Spot on, and that's what we saw, and, um, and that's what we saw throughout the event as well as they yeah. did it for real. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: Okay, now we're still into the framework. We've got one, two. I think we've got three out. Any? Uh, can you? Can I? Can I drag any out of the emperor?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh look at that! I've got I've got help. Somebody is a mogul queen has just. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, One of them was um, uh, being very judicious in our use of tone and timing. Okay. Um, Take me through that. I like that. Again, it it. sounds simple, um, but I sort of sum it up as horses for courses. We don't take any one particular tone um, or any one approach to every single bit of communication that we have, and I don't think anybody does, but... um, And sometimes this was a point of criticism for us as well. Uh, People would say we were being too jovial or aloof or trivial Um, and and we would argue back that, well, that's what that interaction yep. needed or um, can handle. Um, yep. But if you, in the next minute, ask us about something very serious, well, we'll be very serious. Yep. So, and there's there's lots of ways to cut that and slice that. And it's not just for social media; it's for media liaison as well. It's for media interviews. I mean, I'm having a laugh with you about being the smuggle emperor because <laughs> um, it, it's because that's fine. But if I was in um, A media interview where we were talking about a potential operational failure, well, clearly I wouldn't be laughing and smiling as much. Um, I would be presenting a very authoritative, um, assured front, because that's what that interaction would demand.
1: But in that planning, as you're getting, were you doing scenario planning around that sort of, that that tone Uh, piece of it? Were you thinking, okay, this is where we can go when we're talking about that, this is where we might be able to go with that, So. To sort of round it out that, you know, the AEC has a personality and, as you say, we all have, you know, sometimes things are funny, sometimes things are not so funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, Insofar as, and this is a critical thing for us, that our media and our social media functions are tied into one. I mean, we have staff who are, are more geared towards the social media side and staff who are more geared towards the media side and activities are separated to a certain extent. But you probably wouldn't find somebody who was a permanent part of our core team who was on the social media side, who wasn't involved in the media training yep. um, in some way, shape or form, even if it was just observing. Um, so those functions were so tied because we're dealing with the same content in a little bit of a different way, but we're dealing with the same subject matter. So we learnt in real time in terms of what tone need to be taken for what issue, but also we're close-knit group, close with executive, and we talked very regularly. And I think that's better than any sort of scenario training that you can do with talking it through.
1: Yeah. And this is is it. Uh, And look, the whole purpose of this podcast is for people to take things away that they can learn. Now, listen to that, people. Like, seriously, get out behind your desk, talk to people, build relationships, build trust, and do it well in advance of when you're going to need any sort of deriving any sort of dividend from it. I, I say it all the time. I know I talk about it all the time, but seriously, here is great example of the benefits that you're going to get if you can go out and do that.
0: My team probably gets sick of me saying this um, that when there's a particular issue that we need to solve, um, I and you know sent an email and say so I'm waiting for that information. <laughs> uh, they probably get sick of me saying, "Don't wait. Pick up the phone. Go poke them. Walk around. Aren't they on level two? Go to go there now." <laughs> And they probably get sick of it because a a chat will solve 50 emails.
1: Yeah. And it's so important. And I think in this day and age as we're looking to – because, you know, they're your talent. They're the ones you're going to, you know, ultimately be saying, hey, I need you to come on to talk about whatever. And if they know who you are, they've built that trust with them and you can give them that confidence, you – you're going to be able to have more resources to use to help tell your stories to, you know, engage with the audiences that you need to.
0: And I I think that really applies not just for, you know, sourcing information or having a discussion about how we treat an issue, so not just internal conversations. Um, I think about media inquiries, the amount of benefit that you get. You get a media inquiry, just ring them up. Um, Some you can handle purely by email and some that's a better tactic. Um, But if, if a journalist hits you up about something and there's a bit to it, ring them. (laughs) <laughs> it yeah. helps enormously yeah. from a relationship point of view, uh, but also being able to convey the contextual environment that surrounds that piece of information. Yeah. Um, so the amount of times that we solved a media inquiry through a, a return phone call, yeah. uh, maybe they wanted that return phone call, maybe they didn't, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it outweighed the amount of times that we simply pinged back an email, and it's just enormously helpful.
1: Yep. Yeah. We're close to the end of the framework. How many... I think we've got two to go. Uh,
0: I think so. Yeah. I'm just having a look. Um... So there's one that's very, very simple, but actively monitor issues and plan for crisis situations. Uh, And that's not just in our space. And the command centre that I talked about before uh, was critical in that, uh, making sure that we knew what was, as an organisation, we knew centrally what was going on in our operations. It's very hard. I mean, we have, um, as I said um, to you earlier, 130,000-odd staff at our peak, uh, 8,000 polling places, more than 500 early voting centres. We have warehouse facilities across the nation, I think about 75 of those. Um, There's a lot of people, a lot of processes. We handle... Uh, individual ballot papers—it's just millions and millions and millions of individual transactions. Yeah. So to keep eyes on that effectively is yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, so the command centre helps enormously with that from an operational point of view, but from a communications point of view and planning for crisis, um, it, it's all that connection uh, with with our executive and with our broader organisation about what's going on. It's being subject matter experts. Uh, it's the media training piece that we were talking about, and not just having um, basic scenarios. We had some pretty full-on scenarios with that. It's been part of... And was
1: that a regular thing? Like, sort of 18 months out, were you thinking, okay, you know, every quarter or every month we might do some more scenario planning? Was it as regular as that?
0: Um, So there was broader organisational scenario planning that occurred um, and we were part of that because, as I said, media and communications need to be part of that frontline thing. So we were part of that and I think it occurred something like every quarter for a period of time leading up. Our media training was monthly and... Oh, wow, okay. And that's a lot because... Yeah, um, it wasn't. I mean, we don't have one state manager. We have we have eight of them. Yeah. Uh, so that's eight. And six. busy and busy people
1: too. Yeah. Bu- like trying to grab a bit of their time and say, hey, this is going to be really worthwhile.
0: Yeah. And and the feedback that's come from that cohort of people is that it was incredibly worthwhile, not just right. for their job of um, speaking to the public and relaying the message, but also for getting out of the weeds and actually thinking about yeah. their job at a higher level. Yeah. Which they do in many other facets, of course. But they they found it helpful for that as well. Yeah. How how is what we're doing actually perceived? you've got to keep that front of mind when you're planning services as well.
1: yeah so listen the big lessons you know what what you know, pick out maybe two or three things that you know from the 2022 election that you that you'll take with you into this next planning cycle as you continue uh, you know this cycle of continuous improvement um, Oh you're putting me on the spot here I but am but yeah. you're an emperor you can handle it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now you see me I lo- I love it I love it. Um look I I I think one of the biggest lessons for us is that we've got to continue to be inventive. What has worked now yep. will not work yep. next time or or it will only do a God,
1: can of you job. imagine what it's going to be like next time? Uh, no, it's, it's
0: a big part of me does not want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the channels might be completely different. Um, elections overseas might affect us. Quite yeah, but the a bit. foundation, but the but the core pieces of it won't. You know, really. No, well, you know, correct. Use, you yeah.
1: know, trust, authenticity, expertise. You know, yeah. those so sorts of things we'll aren't be, going anywhere.
0: The, the principles that we've been discussing. Yeah, that's are right. Not necessarily no. radical, but no. not not at all. No. It, but the way the way that we have fulfilled them yeah. has been a little bit different to in the past, and a little bit different to some public service organisations. Yeah. So um, we'll. We've looked at the principles and we're looking at the reputation management strategy and how it went. Um, We'll we'll wrap that up fairly soon and see if we need any tweak there. But I reckon the principles will hold up. It's how we adapt and evolve with those plans underneath to really continue to respond to the current environment as it evolves. Mm -hmm. And uh, having our hands on the wheel and being swift is never going to change. The wheel will change. Um, So we'll need to be gripping a different shape wheel and getting used to that and making sure that we're familiar with it. Um, it, it, I don't know what the channels will be, uh, and it, my my text well, is gives it, me all level of grief uh, yeah. about well, being disconnected. To well,
1: media well but
0: it, but but it's interesting, isn't it? You know, TikTok,
1: yeah, two thousand nine, not an issue. Mm. Now it is. Um, I was looking at my sixteen year old daughter the other day. No, they're now on be Re- this thing called Be Real. Right. which is now where everyone is spending their time. I'm a bit like, well, there you go. So who knows? I'm
0: obviously very fake because I'm not
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> Either am I. But, well, I, I find the observation of the young ones and what they're doing and how they're doing it and what they're looking at and how they're consuming content, that's the interesting piece uh, mm. because they're generally a little bit, you know, ahead of the adoption of the dinosaurs like myself. But, interesting. But again, I don't think that, as you said before, is that the, the your principles aren't going to change. Your
0: context will. Yeah, that's you right. you just need to be I aware mean, of that. I mean, talk about... Social media channels and what's important and what not. Part of the work that we haven't talked about is we we met quite regularly with social media organisations and yeah to the talk- yeah that's an interesting and- one actually.
1: let's quickly um, jump onto that as well. How how did those conversations go? Uh, very well. Um, so I social- bet they did. Yeah, I bet they did. After <laughs> so after you know the rinsing that they've had in other places for, for perhaps not playing as well as they might.
0: Yeah, and look, they've, they've got an answer to the public domain. Um, so prior to the 2019 federal election, it was the first time that we met with social media organisations um, and I, I remember being at those initial meetings prior to 2019 and I think all we met with was Facebook, Twitter and Google. Mm. Um, this time we added... Oh, we met with WeChat during the election as well, Tencent, the yep. company for it. Um, but uh, we, we added... Um, TikTok, which you mentioned, and uh, a range of others in the lead up to this election. And it wasn't just, you know, two or three meetings, you know, on the doorstep. Uh, We consulted with them as early as early 2021 Mm -hmm. and had a regular series of meetings. There were some scenarios put to them as, hey, this sort of content's on your channel. We think it contravenes the Electoral Act, or we don't think it does, but we think it might contravene your policies. And we talk about their policies, what might need to be improved there, all those sorts of things. And it We had, um, again, I can't remember the number, but we had a a range of referrals, you know, somewhere around 60 or 70 referrals that we put to different social media organisations about content during the election. The response was really good, and I think that's a a lot of that is about the preparation work that we did. They also did, um, I'll colloquially call them freebies for us uh, in terms of promoting electoral participation, but also having, uh, you know, information hubs on their channels. I'll I'll use TikTok as an example. They did um, something called, I think it was an election hub. Um, And so anytime somebody, you know, searched for anything that was even remotely election related, they got served with the election hub and added information about our stop and consider campaign and um, how to participate and all those sorts of things. So um, those things are really valuable, those relationships. So we'll continue to cultivate those. They're not always, you know, all roses um, and nothing can ever be, it's a complicated environment and they've got their own you know freedom of speech and things like that to uphold and the line is never black and white but we'll continue to grow. And money. Yeah, well. That, <laughs> I mean that's a little Well, they're for, they're for
1: profit, you know, yeah. organizations and so yeah, I'm sure. But it's that's good to hear. That's good to hear that there is that maturing respectful relationship that enables you to have conversations and difficult conversations. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't stop when the election stops. I I was in a conversation with Meta two days ago. So not two days late last week, whenever it was. Okay. Um, So they don't stop and we we look back and and many of them participate in the Joint Standing Committee on Electoral Matters as well, put in submissions and potentially appear. So um, those conversations are ongoing.
1: Well, Evan, we are going to have to stop because we could go on. There is so much to talk about, but congratulations on... uh, uh, you know putting together a, a you know communications and engagement program that really you know it's what I love about it is that you had those foundation um, principles and then worked from there and applied those into those different areas and then looked to solve those problems and address those risks and build the capability um, and that test and learn that you really adopted a, a, across all areas and having that open curious mind and you know thinking about how do we get better how do we get better it's just a it's fantastic so congratulations you oh, you must feel really good about all of that
0: Thank you very much yes we do we uh, we uh, apart from anything a uh, secure and true yeah, right. well is and incredibly and, 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 important and, we think we play a pretty big role in that
1: Well and again you know you just look you know look what's going on you know in the states at the moment you know that they've got this massive hearing into the integrity of the election and it's just yep. you know it couldn't be worse whereas here it's just, you know, we're on to the next thing and, we're you know, we're able to, to move forward. So um, congratulations to the Australian Electoral Commission and to you, the audience, congratulations for spending some time with the emperor today. That's why I think Evan is going, to, he is going to wear that for the rest of his career. Um, what a great conversation and what a real talent in the world of government communications. Evan Eakin-Smith, the director of media and digital ga- engagement at the Australian Electoral Commission i really enjoyed that conversation and to it you know, there's so much best practice that they were able to land um, and the trust that was able to be built. And those principles, um, they apply to all of us in our work. So let's see what we can do, hey, in terms of applying those principles. So, a big thanks to Evan for coming onto the program. Now, listen, there is, as I mentioned uh, last or a fortnight ago, a fantastic conference which is on in Brisbane on October the 20th and 21st of this year. It's Change 2022 brought to you by Griffith University, and it's a conference that's focused on achieving measurable change that benefits the people, communities, and the planet. And it's got a big focus on delivering positive health, environment, and social change outcomes. There'll be a lineup of over 20 speakers giving TED-style talks. There are interactive workshops and it's an in-person event in the beautiful city of Brisbane at Griffith University. So it really does focus on behaviour change and I think it is a must attend for anyone working in govcoms. Very reasonably priced. I think it's about 400 bucks for two days and I think all your meals are thrown in for that as well. So go and nudge your boss and say, hey, listen, I think this is a place I need to be this is a place I need to learn. So to get more information, go to griffith.edu.au forward slash change. So that's griffith, G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H dot forward slash change. That's griffith, G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H dot forward slash change to find out all about the Conference Change 2022. I could not recommend it more. So I look forward to meeting many of you there during that particular conference. So thanks again to Evan Eakin-Smith for coming onto the program and sharing his wisdom with us. And thanks to you. Uh, the audience for coming back once again really appreciate that and really enjoying uh, the programs that we're putting together at the moment a big thanks to olivia casamento the showrunner for putting the program together and our technical director ben curry who has made it all happen once again and to you the audience thank you for coming back we'll be back at the same time in two weeks but for the moment it's bye for now you've been listening to the govcoms podcast